Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Praise the Lord, everybody. While I'm getting ready here, why don't you look at your neighbor, smile. Hopefully you pull your mask down, everybody can can see you. Um, if you have your Bibles, we'll jump right into it this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read from John chapter 20. And when you get there, can you say amen? I did make some slides this morning, and hopefully everyone can uh, read them. Um, while you're turning there, I, I do want to take a moment and give honor to our pastor um, as well as give honor to Brother Roberts. We are blessed in this church with some of the best preaching and teaching in the whole world. And I, I do believe that. You know, I've gotten to go to other places and they don't have it like we have it. And sometimes you can take that for granted. But I just want to give honor to them this morning for this opportunity to speak and teach. And so if you're there, we're going to start at, at verse 1. John chapter 20 and verse 1 says, The first day of the week, Cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth, and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. And then we're going to skip down to verse 11 in this story. And it says, Now, but Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre and see if two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said, the angel said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. This is the second time she's saying these words. Verse 14, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and she saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. And then Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Somebody say Mary. How many like it when God calls your name, right? Amen. And so Jesus saith unto her, Mary, and she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. And amen. You guys may be seated this morning. So a, a few years ago, it's actually as I looked this up this morning, even about 10 years ago, or maybe a little bit further than that, um, I don't watch a lot of reality TV. It's kind of pointless to me. But there was a show that came out. And uh, in this show, this reality TV show, high-level executives would pose as regular employees within their own organizations. And I don't know how they signed up for this, how they did this. I don't even know how they got the employees to ignore the cameras 
that had to be following around a certain person. But somehow they did this. The show, if you guys may have remembered, Undercover Boss was the name of the show. And in this show, they document the ins and outs of this particular boss's business. And so this boss, he poses himself as a regular employee. And I remember watching a few episodes. The first one I think I watched was on an episode of Waste Management, the company, the trash company or that recycles uh, trash. Another episode was on DirecTV. And I think the original purpose was to help these bosses find areas of improvement within their business, right? They would pose as John Doe or they would pick an arbitrary name and they would begin to work right alongside these employees at the lowest level or in the mid-levels. And these employees who they're working with, it's funny when you see how they treat the bosses, right? They would, I remember in the, in the waste management episode, this, this older gentleman had 10 minutes. He worked in the landfill at waste management. He had 10 minutes to fill a bag with trash. And they did that because on windy days in the landfill, the trash would blow. And so here is this million dollar boss working in the landfill and this older gentleman, 60 years of age, would get on this man because it's taking him too long to fill a bag of trash. And so you can imagine this, this man who's working normally, this is his job, he's got to teach this other guy and he's frustrated, right? He gets angry because it's taking him so long. Um, but at the end of this show, they would pull all the employees together and they would finally reveal who this man was or woman was. And it was funny because the reactions of the employees would be crazy, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is who I've been talking to for the last week. I can't believe, can you imagine if Pastor would like disguise himself and just come around and visit people, right? It would be awkward until finally you were, you were, you know, pastor would take off maybe the hair he put on his head and, and you would be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I, I treated pastor this way or, 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 or treated, you know, someone that was a boss this way. Um, but it's funny, if they had only knew exactly who they were working with, maybe they would have done things differently, right? Right? Have you ever... Uh, thought you recognized someone and it turns out they were someone else, right? And so as we look at this story in John chapter 20, uh, many of you recognize the story. Um, in the preceding chapters, Jesus has been crucified and now he has resurrected. It's been three days and Mary comes to the sepulcher looking for the body of Jesus. And so this morning, my, my topic is very simple. It's just recognizing Jesus. That's it. Recognizing Jesus. So Webster's Dictionary describes recognition as the identification of someone or something or a person from whom we have had previous encounters with or previous knowledge. That's what recognition means. It also means acknowledging or acknowledgement of something's existence or its validity or its legality. And so as we dig into our text this morning, there's one major theme that I would like us to consider. It's my first point this morning, and we'll continue to build upon it as we go. And my first point is this. Recognition is connected to response. Recognition is connected to response. If we don't recognize someone appropriately, 
then we will not respond to them appropriately, right? How many of us see that in our world we live in, right? A lot of people, and I'm not saying whether they're right or wrong, but when you look at the president, you hear people say, he's not my president. Well, he is our president. I mean, he is the president of the place where we live. And whether you believe he is or he isn't, whether you recognize he is or he isn't, you must respect the office that he holds. Um, and we just see that in our world. If people don't have a recognition of someone's position or their office or what they represent, it's reflected in how we respond to that individual. How many know recognizing who Jesus is in our lives is more important than anything else? Amen. It's more important than the money we make, the house we live in, who we are as people. Recognizing who the Lord is is more important than anything. And do we truly believe that Jesus is God Almighty? Do you believe that? Or is he just another person to you, right? In the book of Colossians, Paul writes a letter to this Colossian church, which was in, in what we would consider Asia. But as this church is growing and the people, the congregation are coming together from all different walks of life, they run into problems, right? They're not there. Paul has started this church and now he is gone on elsewhere and he's still doing the work of the Lord. And, and as the, the congregation is growing, they start to run into problems. And so Paul addresses these problems of the church, the believers are struggling to remain devoted to Jesus. And the reason that they are struggling to remain devoted to Jesus is some of the folks who are coming in don't truly recognize who Jesus really is. And so Paul is encouraging these Colossian Christians to see Jesus as the center of everything so that they don't give in to the pressure, to the pressure, sorry, of what's happening in this Asian country or this Asian city from all the other religions that are around. And so in the first two chapters of Colossians, Paul is writing to this church and he's telling them and reminding them of who they serve, who Jesus is. He tells them he is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things. He is eternal. By him, all things consist. He is the head of the church. He is preeminent in all things. He has recognized all things to himself, all things to God. He has all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is omniscient, right? He is omnipotent. We should have our faith in him. Paul is encouraging this church. Don't give up hope on Jesus. Keep your faith in him. Walk in him. Be rooted and built up in him. And we are complete in him. If you look throughout those first two chapters, that's what you'll find. Paul is reminding this church of who Jesus is. But do you really understand and recognize personally who God is, who Jesus is in your life? Do you recognize that? I know we... We like this verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is who Jesus is. And the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it, with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. That is who Jesus is. Jesus is God Almighty. And we will forfeit the great future that God has prepared for all of us if we fail to recognize who Jesus is. 
We miss out on so much revelation and understanding when we only have a limited view of who Jesus is. I'm going to challenge someone's thinking this morning, but every problem, every, every mistake you make, every sin in your life, you can trace it back to a time when you didn't fully recognize Jesus in that area of your life. And as we battle against the adversary, who is the accuser of the brethren, recognizing who Jesus is is the key to winning the battle against the enemy. Pastor preached this message last week. He, Jesus, is the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we recognize that, we understand that whatever I'm dealing with currently, the story of my life isn't over until Jesus has finished writing and scripting the end of it. David would say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom whom should we fear if we really recognize who God is in our life? If we ever have trouble recognizing Jesus, I do have some hope for you. We're not alone in that. There are many stories of where people in the Bible didn't recognize Jesus. And we focus this morning on a Mary, on a woman named Mary, who had the same issue as we sometimes have. And hopefully we can learn a few things from her story. The next point I want to make this morning is very, very simple. I don't have anything super deep for you guys this morning. And that is Mary was blind. She was blind. In John chapter 20 and verse 14, we read it. It says, and when she had thus said, and she turned herself back, she saw Jesus standing, and she knew not that it was Jesus. And as I began to study this story, I've looked at this particular verse, which is our our, our focal point this morning, in as many ways as I could think of to look. I looked in the English Standard Version the NIV, the New Living Translation, the Message Translation. I searched the original Greek of what this phrase was written as, and you know what I found? It's really not that deep. (laughs) She just didn't recognize Jesus. She didn't recognize him. Some uh, theologians say, well, she did, in verse 1 of that chapter, she did come to the sepulcher, the Bible says, early. Maybe it was just dark, and that's why she didn't recognize Jesus. But in this story, if you read it, she runs and goes and gets some other disciples, and she has time to run back to the sepulcher to only find that Jesus is not there. So there's a passage of time that has, has, has come by. So probably in that amount of time, the Bible says she came early in the morning. The sun has probably risen. If she has a little bit of time to look into the sepulcher where it's dark, there must have been enough light for her to recognize. The Bible says she saw two angels sitting there. Now, I know angels are white, and they're probably easy to see in maybe the dark, but at some point, darkness kind of, the the darkness excuse goes away, right? The Bible also says she was weeping. Maybe she was crying so hard she just didn't recognize Jesus in front of her. But I, I don't really agree with that theory either. The truth is she had zero clue. She didn't know. She didn't realize. She didn't perceive She didn't discern or notice. She really wasn't even paying attention to the fact that Jesus was standing in front of her. She didn't know that it was Jesus. She didn't understand that Jesus was right in front of her. Mary was blind to this obvious fact. And why is this surprising? Why is this important to us this morning? And and the reason why is Mary was not a stranger to Jesus. 
she had experienced many things with Jesus. Mary Magdalene was a woman who, according to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, she traveled with Jesus as one of his followers. She is mentioned by name 12 times in the Gospels, which is more than most of the apostles. More than any other woman in the Gospels other than Jesus' family, Mary Magdalene is mentioned. She was a witness to the crucifixion of Jesus and its aftermath. She watched as they placed a crown of thorns on his head and nailed him to a cross and pierced his side. And in our text, she was close enough to know where they buried Jesus. And she was close enough to go with the other disciples and visit his tomb. She had a relationship with Jesus. We find her weeping when she sees that his body is no longer there. You don't just cry for someone you don't know, right? You, don't, you just don't do that. And by traveling with him, Mary got to witness Jesus do many miracles. He even did a miracle in her. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, and, and it came to pass that Jesus went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. But also with him in verse 2, it says, were certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, of whom seven, whom, uh, out of whom went seven devils. So Jesus delivered her from seven devils. Imagine just having one devil attached to you, right? But the Bible says she had seven. In verse 3 of that, of that verse, of that scripture, it tells us that Mary, along with other women, also gave to the cause. She blessed Jesus and his disciples financially. She says she ministered to him out of their substance, is what the Bible says. She would also go on to be in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out. So we can comfortably say that Mary was a part of the church. Somebody say the church. And so if she's a part of the church, we can kind of relate to her. We can just switch her name with our name in this, in this example. She wasn't a stranger to Jesus, and consequently, Jesus was not a stranger to her. But however, at this particular time in her life, she didn't recognize Jesus, even though he was standing so close to her. And so how many understand that the same thing can happen to us? It does happen to us. It does all the time. We can easily be blinded to the fact that Jesus is right in front of us. How many of you ever been in a service and God is moving and you're like, Lord, I just don't feel it. I just don't I just don't see it. Right. We can be blind to the fact that Jesus can walk by, tap us on our shoulder and we wouldn't even we wouldn't even know it. One of those reasons, and we'll get into a lot of them this morning, one of the reasons we might be blinded to Jesus is that we're stuck looking behind us. Many people have had a lot of great experiences with God. But the question is, did it stay in the past or are you still having an experience with God today? How long has it been since you've experienced Jesus? Are you still as close to Jesus as maybe you used to be? And if not, maybe you feel like Mary and you don't recognize Jesus who is standing right in front of you. So the question is, why do we sometimes not see Jesus active in our lives? Why do you think Mary didn't recognize Jesus? Or why is it that sometimes we don't even recognize the Lord or feel him when he begins to move? And so my first 
reason this morning is simply this. Sometimes we're in a new place. We're in a new place. Hopefully you guys can read that well this morning. Mary Magdalene, in a matter of days, in a matter of probably to her what felt like hours, she finds herself at a new place in life. Things hadn't gone as she planned. All of a sudden, Jesus is captured by these soldiers, and then all of a sudden, he is crucified on a cross. None of the followers of Jesus, maybe sans Judas, um, who had a hand in what what went down, had any idea what was going to take place at Calvary. And so now Mary is experiencing a season of struggle. Jesus has been crucified, and she doesn't understand why. Why did it have to happen? Why now of all times? What was she supposed to do without this man who she traveled with and watched do miracles, signs, and wonders? What was she supposed to do now? What, what choices in life is she supposed to make now that Jesus is no longer with her? And there are times in all of our lives where we experience things we don't understand. And like Mary, we can suddenly find ourselves in a new place, a new season. How many has ever gone through a season of change, right? Sometimes we like them, sometimes we don't like them. But we've all gone through seasons of change. We all have to grow. We all have to get mature. If you stay where you are, it's just not going to end well, right? We can't all be 16. I wish I can go back to when I was 16, but we have to move on, right? But we all have faced seasons of change, seasons of doubt. Seasons of hurt and seasons of pain. Maybe you've been through a dry season or even seasons of uncertainty. For the last seven months, our world has rapidly been forced into a season of uncertainty. Tensions have heightened by a number of factors. We have strife and anger as people turn against one another, race going against race. COVID has swept across the grove, bringing fear in in a season where people don't know what to do. If you don't believe it, just pull out your mask right now, right? We all are dealing with this season that we're going through. And even here in our country, as we get ready to have a new election, we're going through a season that has brought its own problems. And don't worry, we'll go through it again in four years or whatnot. It will come around again. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 In verse 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which has been planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and also a time to build up. And the difficult truth that sometimes we don't like to hear or even recognize is that There are times when Jesus allows things to happen that don't make any sense to us. Anybody ever been there? Right? We ask question after question. God, why now? Why am I facing this dilemma? And Mary is asking the same questions. Her grief and circumstance of what she was going through caused her to look Jesus right in the face and not even recognize who he was. This happens to many of us, and it's easy to find ourselves in new places spiritually. In fact, I believe God puts us in these places on purpose. Amen. We may not like it, but God is doing something in us for a reason. And as we are talking about recognizing Jesus this morning, we need to remember and recognize that we don't always need to have the answers to why he does what he does. Don't let 
your questioning. Don't let, don't let your season of what you're going through prevent you from missing out on what God has for you. Understand that his ways are higher than our ways. And if I truly recognize him for who he is, I also have a revelation that like pastor preached, he is the author and finisher of my faith. He will never leave me nor forsake me in what I'm, what I'm going through. And in this season I'm in, he is perfecting me. There's a purpose behind it. There's an expected end that he has for us, and he's working all things together for the good. I don't know what any of you are going through this morning, maybe except for my wife. But understand, God has a purpose and a plan for wherever you are. You might even have put yourself in your current circumstance because of your own decisions. But understand, God is in the business of making ways when there seems to be no way. Be careful that you do not allow the season that you're going through in your life to blind you from recognizing who Jesus is. A reason we don't recognize Jesus is because, as I mentioned, sometimes we just find ourselves in new places. But the next point I want to make this morning, another reason that we commonly don't recognize Jesus is simply this. We are too busy to recognize Jesus. We are too busy to recognize the Lord. Are you too busy to recognize Jesus who is standing in front of you, standing right in the midst of your path? You turn back like Mary and now you're looking and you see him, but you may not recognize him. And because we're just too busy. Luke chapter 2 tells this story in verse 41. Now his parents, talking about Jesus' parents, they went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him amongst their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, somebody say three days. Three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And Jesus said unto him, How is it that you sought me? How is it that after three days, now you're just coming here, right? Can you see that? A little, a little humor in, in, in Scripture. How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. In other words, they didn't recognize what Jesus was talking about. Somebody say busy. How many of you are busy people? Raise your hand if you're a busy person. I would not consider me a busy person. I like to get as much sleep as I can get. My daughter has taken after me in that regard. Um, but how many of you just don't like to sit idle, right? You just don't like sitting idle. Nope, don't point no fingers, Sister Perry. Don't, don't, don't point no fingers. Um, now, I, I might be alone in this, but I have zero issues, no problems, I don't even question it. 
I can sit in a room quietly by myself and not feel a thing because I just have no problem sitting in idleness. But if I put, if we switch that scenario around, if I put you in a room for 10 minutes by yourself, some of y'all would go stir crazy. You would, if I put a piece of paper in front of you, you start ripping the paper because you just got to be busy to do something. Um, anything, really. Some of y'all just have to be busy. That's not me, but I understand the concept. Um, now, when I first read this story about Jesus' parents years ago, I thought to myself, how in the world, right? How in the world can you leave your child behind? Right? You made this journey. You, you traveled miles and miles and miles to go to Jerusalem to go for this feast of the Passover. And how could you just leave your child behind? Now, understand the customs of that time were a little bit different. They traveled in, in these massive groups. It was like a mass exodus as they, as they did this. But in my mind, I'm thinking, how can you be so careless, how, so casual in not knowing where your child is. And here's the kicker, especially when your child is Jesus, who was brought into the world so miraculously, right? Such a miraculous birth. Angels are just opening up the heavens. And here you are, you don't know where Jesus is, right? But you know, as I read that, it still happens in our world today. It's so tragic when we hear news about children left in vehicles or left attended all by themselves and, and they, they may pass away. The guilt that parent must feel. I just can't imagine myself going, going through with that. But the sad truth is, you know, however spiritually we can easily be like Jesus' parents in Luke chapter 2 when they left Jesus behind. They showed us that it's very possible to get so busy in our lives that we leave Jesus not one day, not two days, but three days behind and not even realize it. You know, as I thought about this, I thought, well, maybe they thought Jesus is the responsible one. He's 12, right? I know in that culture, that, that time, he, he probably had worked alongside Joseph for a while. He's not. Jesus knows what, what's going on here. You know, this was something the Bible says they did every year. So surely Jesus knew where to go, right, who to talk to, who not to talk to. But to lose touch with him after one day, let alone three days, as a parent, I just, I have a hard time visualizing that. But then I thought about this. When was the last time you prayed to Jesus? When was the last time you just wanted to spend time with him? When was the last time you opened up? Your word, and I'm talking to myself before I talk to anybody else. Um, not just when we come to church, but when was the last time we actually sought out the Lord, vice just doing it when we know we should do it? It's so easy to get too busy to recognize Jesus. And you may say, you know what? I really got, I got to get this done. I, I'll pray later. And in the busyness of life, Later comes, and then later comes, and then later comes, and we forget to pray. We say, you know, I'll read the Bible. You know, I got to get this done. This is important. I'll read your word, God. Give me an hour. I'll come back to it. And then perhaps the day goes by or a week goes by, and 
I know we got these nice Bible apps on our phone, but even then you still forget to read your word. How long has it been since we recognized that we've been missing Jesus in our lives? And I have an interesting question for you all this morning. I'm talking to some mature believers, some people that have been in the church for a while. How do you know if you're too busy or not? How do you know if you're too busy or not? Now, some of us, we should be mature enough to know, right? Um, What is busyness and what is not considered busyness in the kingdom of God? How many know even ministry can become busyness? Being an usher, singing on the platform, um, cleaning the church. If we're not careful, it can become just busyness. It can become something that we just do. And so if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, I think you'll be able to probably figure this out. But, you know, the substance of what busyness may be for you may look a little bit different than it is for me. Um, I think you guys can maybe kind of get that concept. It really depends on your spiritual maturity level. What may be busyness to you may not be considered busyness for me. Um, Maybe you guys can kind of understand that a little bit. But overall, I believe there's a very simple answer to this question. Let's look at Luke 2 and 48 again. It says, and when Jesus' parents, or actually when all these people realized where Jesus was or where he was in the temple, it says they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now, sometimes, again, I think we can find a little humor in the word of God. But even as I read this, I kind of sense a little admonition from Jesus' mother. And I'm paraphrasing, but I can imagine she's probably fed up because it's been not one day, but, but three days now. And maybe she's probably a little angry. And so if you read this, you can probably kind of hear a little bit of the anger in her voice. All right, young man, we've been looking for you for three days. And this, you tell me this is where you've been all along. You couldn't have left a note. You couldn't have told another one of your family members. And maybe we wouldn't be wondering where you have been all this time. But my question again is, how do you know if you are too busy or not? And the answer is found in verse 49. And he said unto him, how is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? The answer is simple. How do you know if you're busy or not? Are you doing the father's business? That's the answer. Your busyness, what you've been doing, is it, spiritually speaking, is your busyness extending the kingdom of God? Or is it just something you're doing because it has to get done? Is it tradition? Is it repetition. This is just something I do. I come to church. I sit on the pew. I clap my hands. I read my word. I say amen. I go home. Is it just something you do or are you doing it to extend the kingdom? Are you doing it because it's part of the father's business? If you are doing the father's business, then there is no such thing as being too busy. No such thing as being too busy. So now let's look back at this story with Mary. One, we already said Mary is going through a difficult time. The reason she didn't recognize Jesus, she's in a season of change. She's in a new place. But the second reason Mary doesn't recognize the Lord is Mary is so busy focusing on what has taken place in the sepulcher 
that she doesn't even realize Jesus is standing right in front of her. She is so busy trying to solve the mystery of who stole Jesus, who took his body, that she misses out that Jesus is standing right in front of her. And so I mentioned the father's business, right? How do you know if you're busy or not? The father's business. I don't think we can have a clearer view of the father's business than looking at any time angels are mentioned in Scripture. The Bible says that angels are messengers. They are literally carrying God's will everywhere they go. The angels are the father's business. And if any angels decides to do differently, what happens? They get the boot like Lucifer did. And here in verse 11 of our text, we find Mary sees not one, but two angels sitting in the sepulcher. So Mary cannot be any closer to the father's business than she currently is, but she still doesn't recognize the Lord. We find her so busy trying to solve this mystery, she really ignores the angels that are standing right in front of her. And she ignores the miraculous Jesus who is risen from the dead, standing right in front of her. Church, we cannot be too busy to recognize the Lord. We got to be about the Father's business. But if we're about the Father's business, then we would truly recognize him for who he is. The next reason we don't recognize Jesus is we don't recognize Jesus because of the crowd. In the preceding chapters of John in, verse eight, in chapters 18 and 19, Pilate listened to the crowd and he didn't recognize who Jesus was. They said, we want Barabbas. And Pilate's like, are y'all really sure this is what you want? He listened to the crowd and crucified the Lord. The truth is that there will be times we will have to push past people in order to get to Jesus. Pastor uh, preached the message one time to the hyphen. Um, we had a conference, and the theme of the conference was press start. They had a nice little video game uh, controller, and it was press start to kind of get started on, on the journey. But pastor preached the message about how people had to push past, the Bible says the press, had to push past the crowd in order to get to Jesus. People like blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, the men who lowered their sick friend through the roof just to get to Jesus. And if we're truly looking to recognize him, we have to push past the crowd. John chapter 20, verse 15 in the story, Jesus saith unto her, woman, why are you crying? Why weepest thou? Whom are you looking for? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing Jesus to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Again, we see Mary just doesn't recognize, one, Jesus is alive. He's not dead. Jesus is alive. He's standing right in front of her. When she didn't recognize to be, for him to be alive in her life, look at this. She categorized him as an ordinary person, as a gardener. In this story, where in the world did the gardener come from, right? All of a sudden, we have disciples, a sepulcher, angels, Mary, Jesus, and we have a gardener. Just you kind of mix and blend like, where'd the gardener come from? But 
Corden, Mary thought that's who he was. And so when we fail to recognize Jesus in our life, we too will treat him as ordinary. He starts to become just another person or just another thing that we do. And when we treat Jesus as an ordinary person, we always miss the miracle. We always miss the miraculous. And I can prove it. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 54 says this. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in the synagogue insomuch that they were astonished. And they said this. Whence have this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not... Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, and Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? When then have this man all these things? Isn't he just like, isn't this his family? Isn't he ordinary? This is what the Bible says. The Bible says they were offended in him in verse 57. But Jesus saith unto him, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. In verse 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief, because they considered Jesus ordinary. Who is this man? He grew up among us, right? How could he have all this knowledge and all this authority? He's just ordinary. This is not, right? And so Jesus was unable to do mighty works there in his own country because his own kinsmen, his own people considered him to be ordinary. How many know Jesus is anything but ordinary? He is everything that we need. He is our strength, our peace, our savior, our refuge. He is the way, the truth, and the light, but ordinary he is not. And when we see him for who he, who he is, when we recognize who he really is, the story becomes so much different. We see this through the account of the centurion soldier who came to Jesus asking for his servant to be healed. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 7 says, And Jesus said unto the centurion, after he's been asked to come, or ask, after he's been asked to heal a servant, Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But all you got to do, Lord, is speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say unto this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth. And Jesus heard it, and he marveled, and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus marveled, and the soldier received what he asked for when he recognized the power, the authority, when he recognized who Jesus really was. And understand there are times in our life where we have so many voices trying to get our attention, especially as we grow older, as we mature, as we understand how life really works. Understand the crowd is real. The voices of the crowd, they are real. And if we're not careful, they will try to downplay the importance of who the Lord is. And we must quiet these voices because Jesus is not ordinary. He's not just some gardener who showed up at the scene. He is everything we need. He is God Almighty. And so the good news in this story is that, like Mary, we're not alone in sometimes not recognizing the Lord. We have a hope 
right? Mary missed out or she missed the mark. Even some of the disciples missed the mark as well. The Bible tells us some of the disciples traveled with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. He even sat down and had lunch with them before they finally recognized who he was. This was after the resurrection. And my goal today is not to put anyone down when we don't recognize him, but actually it's the opposite. It's to give you hope. Take notice what's going on so you don't miss out on your miracle. We must get our eyes back on Jesus. We must recognize him. The final scripture this morning is John chapter 20 and verse 16, and this is where we have hope. Mary has missed out on who's standing in front of her until finally Jesus calls her name. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, and she turns herself, realizing now who is speaking, and she saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. How many of you are thankful that Jesus knows your name? Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad he knows the number of hair on your head? He knows what you're going through, what you faced yesterday. He knows what you're going to face tomorrow. Jesus knows who you are. He's calling our name just like he called Mary. We may have trouble recognizing him, but he has never had trouble recognizing us. Even in our worst seasons and in the busyness of life, Jesus still calls out to us. We may not be listening sometimes. We may be blinded to the fact that he is standing there calling us, but Jesus still calls out to us. The real question is, are we able to finally open up and recognize what's going on? Notice, after Jesus said Mary's name, she finally recognized him. She recognized that he wasn't dead. He was alive. And so please stand with me as I close this morning. And so my very first point that I made this morning was that recognition is connected to response. And the key thing is when Jesus finally called Mary's name, her response to Jesus was master. It was one of submission. When she recognized who Jesus was, she submitted to him. He's not, any, he's, oh, he's not an ordinary person. He is the Lord. I'm going to submit myself to him. When we truly recognize Jesus, we can submit to Jesus. So the question is, how do we recognize him? I get the reasons why we don't recognize him, but how do we reverse the process? And the answer is simple. First, you need to just stop. Somebody say stop. Stop. My dad's a DJ, and I grew up hearing stop, collaborate, and listen. But that's a different, that's a different thing altogether. Um, but the first thing you got to do is stop. And you know what? That's not easy sometimes. It's not easy to stop. You know why? Sometimes we're in a new place. Sometimes we're going through a season we don't understand. Sometimes we're hurting or sometimes we're in pain. And the hardest thing to do is to stop and reflect on where we're at. Sometimes we're too busy. And in the busyness, oh, I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. Sometimes we're, we're going through that. Sometimes we're listening to every other voice that's trying to speak to us. And so how can I stop when this person's trying to get my attention? That person's trying to get my attention. This circumstance is trying to get my attention. But we must stop and reflect on what we're going through. That's simple. The second thing we got to do is listen. 
Listen to the voice of Jesus calling your name right now. We're getting ready to enter into a worship service in a few minutes. And don't worry, God will be calling our name right where you're sitting. God will be calling out to you. The voice of God comes to us sometimes or actually a lot of times in different ways. Sometimes it comes through the voice of the pastor. Sometimes it comes directly from the Lord in prayer. But the most common way we can listen for the voice of the Lord is to just read his word. It will never return void. And if we're listening, we understand we're not a number to him. He knows our our past, our present, our future. He knows your name. That's why he's calling out for you. You got to listen for it. And the last thing is you must respond. Respond to his voice. Respond to God. And the first thing we got to do when we respond is once we truly recognize him, we must submit. Submit to his authority. Submit to whatever he can do for you because his ways are way higher than our ways. Join Mary's response and call him master. Amen. Thank you, guys. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you.